Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Jonathan Kempe, founder and CEO at Verify, and we made a very special announcement. The two of us have been busy behind the scenes for a long time now, and we were finally able to let you all know that Let's Talk Supply Chain is expanding. We're taking everything we've learned from the last three years on the show in North America and taking it international and into Asia Pack with Jonathan as the host. It's so exciting. Jonathan talked about the potential he sees in Let's Talk Supply Chain, where he might go with the franchise, and we really just had fun exploring what the future is going to bring. It was a truly amazing episode. So if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast. It was episode 206 or wherever you subscribe to the show. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It's the beginning of July and I think it's fair to say that we all have summer fever. I mean, what a long winter that was. I hope you're enjoying your summer already and I hope that you enjoy the rest of it. Today, I'm excited to welcome a strategic, entrepreneurial, and customer-obsessed product and business leader to our Woman in Supply Chain series. Who is it? Well, I'll let you know after the question of the week. So we've been changing up the question of the week. And one week, it's going to be me asking you the question on video. And the next week, we are going to be doing a poll. So the poll that we did last week was how many hours do you work each week? Zero to 39 hours, 40 to 49 hours, 50 to 59 hours, and 60 plus hours. Well, most of you said 40 to 49 hours. And in a close second, it was 50 to 59 hours, which does not surprise me at all because supply chain leaders are working so, so very hard right now. And so thank you to everyone who participated in this poll. We had over a thousand votes, which is amazing. And, you know, get ready because each and every week we ask a question of the week every single Wednesday morning across our social media. And we'd love to see you participate. So now back to today's podcast. And the wonderful woman in supply chain I have with me today is Shauna Zhang. After working as an analyst at huge names like JP Morgan and Disney, Shauna went on to co-found her own company, successfully raising over $1.8 million from Google Ventures. And after subsequent roles at brands, including GoFundMe, Shauna moved across to the world of supply chain and has never looked back. She's now 
now Associate Director of Product Management, International Supply Chain at Wayfair, managing logistics execution, product vision, strategy, and execution of transportation management for international freight forwarding. Today, Shauna will be talking to us about her career so far, her entrepreneurial spirit, her passion for working with charities, and she'll be sharing her words of advice for all of the upcoming women following in her footsteps. But none of this would be possible without our sponsor for the Woman in Supply Chain series. Apex Logistics are proud to sponsor Let's Talk Supply Chain's Woman in Supply Chain podcast and blog series. Our leadership team actively works to empower an industry as diverse as our workforce with a focus on inclusion, and we're passionate about promoting the voices of women leaders to drive visibility around their achievements. So welcome to the show, Shauna. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am so excited to have you here. I mean, your career history and passion projects have really intrigued me because you've worked in investment banking and in charities. You've been both a corporate leader and entrepreneurial business founder. And so I'm just really looking forward to diving into all of this ground that you've covered in your career thus far. So why don't you take me back to the beginning? Because I'm always so amazed at the stories our woman in supply chain tell us and they nearly always start back at childhood with a dream or just great words of advice from a parent. So tell us what that journey has looked like for you. Well, how far back? I guess all the way back then. Um, So I'm a child of an immigrant. I'm an immigrant and I'm a first generation immigrant myself. So I came to the United States when I was nine years old from uh, Inner Mongolia in China. Okay. Um, Back in the 80s, there, it's it's as third world of a country as a, it you know you can imagine um, very different than it is today when people talk about China um, and my family immigrated to um, Des Moines Iowa um, as part of a wow. teacher exchange my mom was part of a teacher exchange program so people always ask why Des Moines Iowa so the transition was obviously very very big but as you know as as somebody um, you know, who immigrated from another country, work ethic was always part of my upbringing. Um, my mom came, even though she was part of a teacher exchange program, she um, made very little money while in school, um, cleaning up hotel rooms and things like that. So work ethic was huge. Um, and education was something that was really promoted. Um, and And it wasn't a choice. It was, yes, you have to go to college. There was no there was no, oh, maybe you'll go to college. Right. Um, so as far as I can remember, it's, it's a work ethic. It's, it's deep-rooted with education um, and, and just that mentality of you can do whatever you want to do and be as curious as you want to be and, and, and follow, follow whatever interests you. Um, of course, I think every Asian family wants you to be like a doctor or something. So um, that was something that was... I did think about, but obviously um, didn't pursue. Um, and my family did international business with China quite a bit. So, um, you know, I think deep down supply chain was always kind of part of that process, right. even though I, I never really knew, um, you know, deep. I, I never really understood it until, you know, much later in my career. Um, I went to USC, um, had uh, 
double majored in accounting and finance, um, and then really started my career in investment banking because um, I really didn't know anything else other than, you know, that was the hardest thing to get into back in the day right. um, in, in college. So fell into investment banking, fell into tech um, investment banking in San Francisco. And, and that's where, right, uh, you know, I think right before the crash was when I entered in investment banking. So started my career there. And I think that's my first touch point with, with, with the tech industry, even though I was more on the, the finance side. Um, from there on, worked in, in different um, areas of, of, of finance, corporate finance, um, worked at the Walt Disney Company, much bigger companies. Um, and then at some point in my career, um, started a tech company without knowing I started a tech company. <laughs> awesome. Um, Googled how to start a business and um, I had a passion for travel and, and wanted to solve my own problems of going to other countries and meeting like-minded individuals and, and started a, a travel tech startup at that point in time about meeting like-minded people, matching people based on common interests and, and kind of a social network platform, um, hired engineers, um, just kept going forward. I did I was never prepared to do anything, but just kind of did it. Right. And you just kept going and you, you end up somewhere. Um, you know, that, 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 that was my first taste of, you know, entrepreneurship. You basically owned your own destiny for whatever it's worth, good, yeah. or bad, and the ugly, um, which was super, super interesting. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because you worked so hard. It's a roller coaster up and down every single day and you don't even really know where you're going, but yep. you know, it's still going. Um, you know, like many startups, it didn't necessarily always end up with that, you know, chase for an IPO or something. Um, but it definitely taught me a lot about myself, a lot about my relationships, a lot about what I valued. Um, and then went back to didn't really know what I wanted to do for some time and then kind of went back to what I knew, which was finance. And at that point, I really didn't even know I was doing product management, even though I was. Um, and I think that was a period of just self-discovery and, and trying to figure out kind of what I, what journey I'd been on at that point. Cause it was just go, go, go up to that point. Um, finally ended up, um, af after a couple more companies working in finance, I just, it just was not a passion of mine. I think I was, I got the mechanics. I was good at it. Very similar when I think back to it of like playing the violin, I was just like every Asian child I played either the violin or the piano I played the violin I was really good at it but I was never passionate about it and those right. there's some things that you have to just be talented and passionate about um yeah you need but, both I think to really yeah. you know drive forward and make it as to you know what you want it to be right because at the end of the day it's not about everybody else it's got to be about you at some yeah. point and what's going to make you happy so you know you talk about being in finance you talk about starting your own business now you're in product management and so how did you transition from finance and jump into supply chain it sounds like you started in supply chain when you went to next trucking is that right yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I actually transitioned into tech product management first for some time period before I actually discovered supply chain. Um, I had worked for a company 
called CrowdRise, which um, focused on working with charities, um, a platform that raised money for charities that was subsequently acquired by GoFundMe. So that's kind of how I got really involved into charities and 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 really on the tech and software side, um, building building um, products to enable charities to do fundraising, large scale fundraising. Mm. Um, you know, it, it was an area where I, I think philanthropy ultimately, in the long run, is an area that I'm passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. But early on in your career, sometimes you just have to go 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 to to get yourself to the point where you can do more yeah. of that. Um, but it was it was it was a business of doing good, and at the same time, I learned about product management. I didn't really fall into supply chain, um, and quite frankly, I think I was always really intimidated by supply chain. I lived okay. in, uh, you know, living in Los Angeles. You're close to, you know, the port of LA and Long Beach. You see container ships, you see uh, trucks moving around, and I, you know, things are happening, you know you know, trucks are moving, things are getting into the grocery store or to, to the stores or, or mm-hmm. things you buy online, you know, they're coming from China or somewhere where the manufacturer is in Southeast Asia. You just don't think about how, you know, the sausage is actually made. Right. Um, so I've always been kind of intimidated by all that um, and really didn't fall into it until while I was at um, GoFundMe, I just got kind of a, a, a ping on LinkedIn from 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 um, a former colleague of mine who was looking for um, um, some product managers to join a tech startup in 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 freight tech. I think at that point there was no word called freight tech or freight right. freight tech. It was just, hey, we are trying to disrupt some industry. It's you know trucks. Think about yeah. you know Uber, but for trucks. Um, that was the easiest way for me to understand it at that point in time. I was intrigued. Uh, mostly because I found the industry to be really, I think I, I, I kind of like to go towards things I'm in, intimidated towards because it feels like a challenge. Right. So that was one of the reasons why I responded and and, and uh, wanted to look into it more and, you know, have had an incredible ride um, with that company career-wise in the sense that, you know, and I think when I joined, it was like, a few dozen people in a warehouse, um, and subsequently raised a lot of money um, from from large um, venture caps, and really for my career was able to see the matri- different maturity levels of an organization and be part of that growth was really incredible. Um, and obviously, learning all about the industry, um, specifically right. um, around intermodal um, freight movements. Um, and 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 really seeing how we can um, disrupt it with technology um, in an industry that really hasn't hasn't had that widespread, um, right. you know, technology growth. So yeah, absolutely. And now you're at Wayfair. So tell us, you know, what's your role at Wayfair, and what does a typical day look like for you? Um, so I'm currently at Wayfair um, in the international supply chain organization. Um, as you can imagine, if anybody goes on Wayfair.com, there's a lot of products, yes. millions of products being sold. And, and um, more often than not, they are being manufactured overseas. And I am part of the international supply chain team that um, special uh, on the product management side that um, built software to enable um, freight being moved internationally 
um, from our manufacturer, uh, from the factory, um, working with our suppliers um, to get their freight into um, our warehouses and our customer, um, our suppliers' warehouses. So yeah. uh, building software for freight forwarding, essentially. Crazy, crazy. So it must be a pretty busy day in your life. And um, you say that you're that you are customer obsessed. And so working for, for Wayfair, you know, what, what is likely to be like the last year has probably been one of the trickiest years with COVID, right? And you're trying to coordinate freight and trying to work with your suppliers. What have you seen in terms of supplier and customer expectations or demand? And has that obsession with being customer focused, has it been knocked a little bit or has it just fueled that commitment for you? Um, Great question. I think on the the supply chain side, it's, it's very different than say you're working with customers that are, you know, going to wafer.com to purchase something. Um, our, our customers are our suppliers um, mm-hmm. that are um, looking for us as a freight forward, internal freight forwarder to move freight, freight for them. And, you know, we want to give the best service we possibly can. So understanding what our suppliers are looking for, the amount of visibility of where their freight is, where their cargo is. Super important. I think the interesting thing about supply chain is that as these macro events happen, um, for example, you know, we are now in a very capacity crunched environment in which there is a shortage of ocean capacity. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting just to see that the suppliers themselves, the customers, our customers their value, you know, their, their needs are changing as well. Um, so I think the idea of being customer obsessed, you know, changes quite a bit because you want to give them the best thing that they, you know, the best that the customers want, but when those wants change, you kind of just have to go with it and make sure you understand them. Um, for example, customers want ocean capacity now more so right. than anything else at this point, whereas before when ocean, you know, there, there's enough space, to move their freight, they want better service, um, whatever that may be, or better pricing or better whatever. Um, whereas, unfortunately, a lot of those things are like not as, as important as I need space to go move my stuff mm-hmm. from one place to another. So really, I think the customer obsessed part here is really just understanding your customers and understanding the environment that they're operating in is mm-hmm. really um, is really important. And I'm guessing that you've probably seen a huge demand, like an increase in demand over the last year or so, because everybody, I think, and their mother is doing home decorating. And they're also, their spending on e-commerce has gone up just so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's really driving a lot of, you know, the, the, the lack of ocean capacity and, and changes in suppliers' behaviors and and whatnot. Um, because I mean, Wayfair, like all other um, e-commerce company has really um, benefited from, from the fact that people have no choices um, to get the things they want and the free time that they have. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's let's talk about a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and how you've translated that into the corporate world, right? Because you obviously have an entrepreneurial spirit because you co-founded a company back in 2009. Apparently, you even created a mobile game a few years ago as a passion project. So how do you think that your entrepreneurial side and your corporate side sort of weave together? And how do you decide what you're going to focus on and and how has maybe your entrepreneurial spirit really helped impact what you're doing in your career corporately? That's a good question. I mean, I think by nature, I'm just a very curious individual. I'm always looking to learn. I'm always looking to um, grow as um, professionally and, 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 you know, even just understanding new industries, how things work. Um, and I think being an entrepreneur, you kind of get that. It's like a you're nimble, you're you're constantly morphing and constantly trying to 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 figure things out. Um, even even in a corporate environment um, with larger companies, I wouldn't even call Wayfair that corporate of an environment. To be honest, I think in my previous careers at like Disney or at J.P. Morgan, like those are very corporate environments. I definitely see a difference. And I think the fact that I'm also in product management and building software Mm -hmm. um, makes it less corporate, right? We're always being very creative. We always have a chance to, you know, I start with ideation and then start and, and, and kind of see it, you know, execute into fruition, which makes things really, um, really exciting. So the transition, you know, it's, it's definitely not as, as challenging as it may seem, mm-hmm. um, just because of the the you know the tech environment that that I am I am in, um, I can definitely see how challenging it would be um, otherwise. And I think Wayfair overall is 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 pretty nimble in in, in many ways. Um, it's grown really really quickly. Um, I feel like I always have ownership in what I'm doing. Um, I'm able to challenge things when I when I um, I'm always heard when I challenge. Um, so it's, it's, it's been great so far. That's awesome. And, you know, I can, I can just tell that even though it's not a corporate environment, you've been able to take that entrepreneurial spirit and really own what you're doing and making the impact through what you, you know, through that entrepreneurial journey that you've had and what you can bring to the table to really help in your career as well. And so you mentioned that you worked with a lot of charities, right? So you love philanthropic activities and you worked for GoFundMe. What is it that you love about working in that area? And is it something that you still continue to do? Because a lot of people do work their, you know, daily jobs and then some people do some philanthropic work outside of it. I know that I'm currently involved with a charity called Kiva where we, I'm able to donate and we can um, support and encourage women in entrepreneurship globally. And so how do you, how do you do that? How do you mix kind of your two passions? I think when I was really um, deep in working with charities um, at GoFundMe, it was, it was awesome to be able to mix your career of building software with the idea of doing good at the same time. Like you went to work really kind of just feeling like you're contributing and doing something more for the world, Mm -hmm. um, which is really awesome. Um, In my past, I've worked with other organizations similar to Kiva. 
um, that was focused on micro lending um, specific to, you know, villages in China, for example, an organization called Wokai that um, I haven't recently been involved in. And, 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 but these are the things that, you know, I, when I have the time, I definitely um, want to be more active in. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, with the pandemic, and I just had a baby, oh, life has had congratulations. Thank you. Life has had uh, fewer times to to be to lend yeah. itself to do other things. Um, but it's absolutely something that you know I want to be able to be more involved in in the future. So let me ask you then: How are you balancing? motherhood and you know work right now um well the pandemic definitely threw a whole wrench into the whole whole the whole you know working mother piece um I think I I had I had a pandemic baby essentially so since she was born she was born um about three months prematurely as well so we had that to to deal with um you know, the lack of childcare, I think, was something that oh, yeah. no one really expected and right. um, transitioning. And, and I had joined Wayfair during that period as well. So it was all of these things kind of converging all into one place, you know, all at the same time, essentially. So it was really challenging. I am, you know, I told my husband this yesterday, I am incredibly grateful that he was willing to take the stay at home dad role temporarily. Right. So that yeah. I can do the things I want. So having that supportive partner in in place um, was absolutely incredible. Um, Amazing. I wouldn't be able to do any of the things I'm doing today, um, right. having to juggle that. And and when I see other mothers doing it, I'm in a few mother, you know, women groups, um, mother groups. It's it's incredible. Amazing. I love to hear that. And thank you so much for, you know, being vulnerable and sharing that with us. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What have your experiences been specifically as a woman in this industry? Are there any challenges you've, you faced? Did you have a mentor or somebody you could look up to, to help you along the way? What does that look like? Well, I'm in both supply chain and tech. So yeah, (laughs) both of which um, are, are, you know, women are definitely in the minority. And I think the more, the longer you're the industry and more senior you tend to get, um, the fewer women you tend to see, especially in tech. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think as a female, I've always realized that that is the case because I'm also a minority, Mm -hmm. even just not as a female. So I've always had to speak louder talk more mm-hmm. um, and just things that I don't think other people tend to think about that mm-hmm. I consciously have to think about right. um, to, to be heard and to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are, I can't say that there was like specific mentors that, you know, have helped guided me the entire way, but I've mm-hmm. definitely had great people in my life that have helped me open doors that otherwise would not be there right um and 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 amplified the voice um well, amplified so, my voice along the way yeah so let me ask you about that how did you find your voice a lot of women you know 
love this question because they just want to know how, how people found their voice. So how did you find one? How, how did, how did that happen? Did you just sort of, did it just sort of happen or? I think the, I think my entrepreneurial experiences really helped me. I think yeah. before when you're working in like a career ladder, um, within a career ladder that's predefined, you kind of, you put mental blocks within yourself to think that that's how things should be. Whereas when you're in a kind of a chaotic environment of a startup that you started without, there's no, there's no formula at all. And you end up feeling like you're equal to people. So you end up being able to talk to anybody regardless of, you know, if there's, you know, some super senior person professionally. Um, Mm. So you kind of remove those mental blocks because you had to. Um, I think those experiences really helped me along the way. But when, when I sometimes can get, can feel intimidated if you're in a room with, you know, people who are really senior or people that you look up to, you just don't have, you don't have the tendency to speak up. But once you kind of like break up, you know, break down those mental blocks of it, they're just people, right? They all have, they're probably very similar problems to you um, as, you know, as, as anyone else. Um, it just becomes easier to kind of look at people as people and just talk to them. Um, and, and, and you don't have that mental block that you're necessarily inferior. Right. So yeah. I think those, that's probably what gave me that kind of push to talk, to speak more and, mm-hmm. and, and say things confidently because I've done homework. As right. Well. Yeah, I love that. I I used to be told all the time that they they were just people and that you know that sometimes helped me but sometimes didn't help me like if I was really meeting somebody that I like really looked up to and they're like they're mm-hmm. just people but it's this person. Right, right. You it's know? hard. And like the the I used to get so nervous and I could barely speak and, and afterwards you're kind of like, yeah, they were just like you and I, like, you know, why did I get so nervous? So I totally, totally, totally get that. So on your journey so far, what have you learned about yourself and maybe what does the future hold for you? Wow. Um, I think I've learned what I've always kind of known and what my mom instilled in me is that you can do anything you want to do. You just have to really put your mind to it and do the work. It doesn't come, it doesn't come for free. You just have to work really hard. I think one thing has been really interesting in my career is that anything I've really put my mind to, I've succeeded. And anything that I sort of kind of half-assed, I know for a fact that it didn't work out really well. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely, definitely it just reconfirmed the fact that what, you know, that work ethic um, that was instilled in me is really kind of what gets you to the next step and just keep going. Yeah. Like the worst thing is you don't try. Right. And then you just stand still. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does take hard work, right? You got to get up every single day and you got to put in that work and, uh, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're working for somebody else, you know, it's, it sometimes it looks really easy, but you don't know what the backstory is and you don't know what the work that they had to put in and how many hours and what did that look like and what went on in their life while that was happening, right? Because that's, yeah. that's very often the case as well. So then finally, what, what advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps? What, what would you tell them to do? 
Oh boy, I don't know about following in my footsteps. I think you just discover your own footsteps, right? Like it's true. Just, yeah. just keep going. Like, like I said, just standing still is probably the worst thing you can do because mm-hmm. just keep moving forward. Um, find people that can help amplify your voice. That could be men or women. Um, and and you know, not everyone knows what they want to do and to some extent, I think I more recently figured out what I want to do than the earlier part of my career. Everyone has their own time. Um, but unless you try, you just don't know, right? So you, at least if you've tried this and tried that, you know what you don't like, right? So yeah. just keep keep moving forward and, and, and um, find people that help amplify your voice and be able to kind of take you to the next level. That's what I always say. I, I always say something like, you know, just go out and try everything because you never know what you like and what you don't like until you go out and try it. And I think, you know, you're such an inspiration, right? Because you were in investment banking for a long time. And then at some point you were just like, no, this doesn't make me happy. And this is not what I want to be doing. And so you pivoted until you found your thing or you found your spot. And now it feels like you found your spot, right? You found your groove. You get to be an entrepreneur, right? Or an intrapreneur because you're working for another company, but you get to use those skills. You know, you get to use your your skills uh, from a technology standpoint as well. And it just seems like, you know, everything happens for a reason and it's okay to like something for a little bit and then not like it at some point and pivot and move and, and do something yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. Things definitely do happen for a reason. And, you know, sometimes the things, sometimes you're not pivoting because you choose to pivot, but because you're forced right. to pivot. And to some extent, those are okay too. And really only in hindsight, can you say, oh yeah, that's why that happened. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you're in the moment, it, it just feels like the worst thing in the world, you know, and I've definitely had many moments like that. Um, in my career where, you know, in the moment, you just think it's the end of the world and why, why is this happening? But you, you just need a few more years before you figure out that that's, there's a reason for that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is life is lived forward and understood backwards. And it was, so uh, true. They, yeah, I still don't know who the author of that is. It's always put as anonymous. Well, I feel <laughs> incredibly inspired by this conversation. Shauna, you are really impressive. We can all learn from your passion and commitment. And I'm just really excited to see what you're going to do next. And just excited that you could be part of this series. And I appreciate you for saying yes. So thank you so much, Shauna. You're amazing. You're inspiring. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com 
slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. If you would like to hear more from us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to not only check out the latest, but use our category to filter to find a solution to any of your supply chain challenge because we've most likely covered it on the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. And remember to come back next week where we'll be talking to Easy Mile, a really exciting global business with, which provides award-winning solutions for driverless mobility and goods transportation. We're going to be talking about exactly what Easy Mile does, the incredible technology behind their solutions, and the role autonomous vehicles will play in the future of the industry and the world. It is going to be a really interesting discussion, and you are not going to want to miss it. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Clubhouse. We've also got TikTok. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and you can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.